seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to Color of Magic, episode number 221. This is awesome. Starting the year right. We even have a one in the first number there. How, how perfect is that? We couldn't have planned that. But I'm uh, host- we, we probably could have, but we're not <laughs> mathematical enough to do it. It probably could have been planned. But. That's true. I'm your host, Jaquan Watson, and for 221 episodes, still got my man, Brian Allen, that hopefully isn't having to survive any bad weather right now. How's it going, dude? We are actually uh, doing well right now. Nothing. I uh, definitely want to send all our, our thoughts and prayers and concerns to everybody that is dealing with just uh, some of those waves I saw going on, especially on the West Coast. Oh, my goodness. It's just... Dude, it's, <laughs> it's it was wild. Like... Uh, like Japan had, uh, like I think it was a seven point six was the final number. Yeah, earthquake. You know, and the following tsunami that came with it that hit a part of part of the country, and then we had all those waves, which coincidentally weren't related because <laughs> they were a few days before. That, that happened. Yeah, that's kind of frightening in and of itself that there's those the two two things that be going on and they're independent of each other is scary. Yeah, so that was, that was a rough way to ring in the year for a lot of people. But, you know, Year of the Dragon comes with a little bit of chaos, I guess, as where we are. So that's that's a tough one. But, yeah, if you're anybody dealing with any of that stuff or you know anybody who is, hope they're all okay because, man, you can't mess around with water. Like, I mean, you know well as I do being down south and in Texas, like when the floods happen down there, they are ridiculous. Like, you don't want to mess with nothing. I mean... Even up here, just uh, yeah. Cause, I mean, of, New York is flooding now. You know, we're, we're seeing yeah, we're, we're seeing some just a day after tomorrow stuff starting to begin to happen. Well, about a month ago now, there was weather up here where you know anybody in the low lying areas near the mountains were just flooded. You know, one one lady was all over social media showing her house. They were they had to move out of it because like it had worn down the riverbank next to their house wow. or the creek or whatever over the course of so many years. Yeah. But even since they've had it, like most of it eroded away. And they're like, yeah, this isn't going to be safe for your house in another couple of years. Like you just yeah, Louisiana is losing miles of coastline annually. It's a bad scene. Yeah. So it's tough, man. I, I feel for people. But yeah, we have a lot to cover in this show. We're going to be talking about uh, some changes in social media, some things coming with Wizards that are changing. We've got just lots of stuff to start the year with. But before we get into all that, got to tell you about our sponsors over at CoolStuffInc.com. They're a great bunch of people, and you can save some money shopping over there. If you use code DRAGON, you can save 5%. And that applies to anything. It doesn't even have to just be magic stuff. Any of your nerd stuff you want to get, D&D, Pokemon, whatever. You want to get dice, some deck boxes. Check them out. Use code DRAGON. Save 5%. Also, if you want to support the show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash color magic. And you get a shout out just like Tyler Milan. Thank you so much for coming on and being a member. And you can get some goodies over at colorofmtg.com slash shop. But yeah, that brings us to our lead story, dude. And this one, this is one of the ones I feel like we're going to have to tread lightly as we talk about it. Because... There's a lot that goes going on here, and it's kind of a developing story, even as we're talking about it here on uh, Wednesday. But for those you don't know, there's an event called CubeCon, which is uh, a large event where they play a lot of Magic Cube. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's like a drafting format with preset cards and uh, card lists and stuff like that. And this has been a thing that happened at the event last year, but... The way I understand it, and pardon me if I have any of these details <laughs> confused because there are a lot of them and, you know, trying to read through it all. But there was somebody, a woman who I believe, based on her title and things, was some type of managing person for the event. And what I mean by either a judge or staffer of some kind, who claims that another person who was, I guess, a head judge for the or one of the higher judges for the event had uh, committed some amount of sexual harassment toward her. Some, it sounds like, at the event, some followed up some type of harassment following the event. Since then, two of the previous members of the CubeCon 
Management Committee, an organization committee, I believe is what the term they use, have decided to boot everybody else. Because according to the two of them, there were some number of members, they didn't say how many or who, which, to their credit, they weren't throwing other people under the bus. They're just saying, hey, we decided to make the decision we thought was best for everybody. So they got rid of the previous organization committee members because some number of them still wanted to support this problematic judge person. Even when, according to them, after having the discussions, they looked at all the information and agreed that, or at least largely between them, believed that he did commit these allegations. So at that point, I'm kind of in their camp, right? You say, hey, look, we talked about yeah. it. We all think this is what went down. Then we kind of got to boot this dude. You know what I mean? Like, there's not much yeah. more to it. Then and if that apparently def- is, I guess, not what ended up happening. Yeah. like, And then if y'all are like, well, I don't know. Like, wait, no. If you think he did it. Yeah, if you think he harassed like, somebody, it's time yeah. for him to go. That's it. Like, and I get that's it. not the guarantee. That shouldn't. I, I guess in this case, it they were trying to make it negotiable, but that shouldn't be negotiable if you want to yeah. sell your event as an event that anybody should feel safe going to. That's exactly how I feel about it. No now, room for for harassers in the space. Now, don't get me wrong. If you legitly thought there was some reason to believe he had not done it or whatever, and you had some amount of proof, and you went, okay, cool, that's a different conversation. Yeah, but, and that's not the conversation they had. Yeah, but according to what they apparently there, believed believed the allegations, and we're just gonna, I guess, strip him of of his leadership, but still allow him to, to be at the event. And yeah, no, exactly. nobody. So that no, I'm not with. So totally agree with these guys. Um, and the two guys that are still running it are Brian Kowal, which I've met through some different social circles. Stand-up dude, far as I know, and Jonathan Brostoff, which I don't know, but is still, I guess we would call them the co-owners or managers remaining of KubeCon. So that's kind of like the high-level part of the story, right? And they said they didn't want to talk about any of the details. They're going to leave that to the victim and whatever. So they're not putting any information out there, putting anybody under the bus who doesn't want to be put on blast or whatever, which I can respect that. They posted all their links. They posted all the information if you want to get a hold of them. Any of their contact, all that. So they've they've and been believe me, board. it's all over Magic Twitter right now. So if you if you want to know, it's oh yeah, but they they've been above board with their whole, side. Yeah. So I feel like that was about as transparent as they could be and still treat it the way they want. Right. So I respect you're talking, that. who's you talking about. I guess the current r- the remaining committee with with Jonathan and Brian. Like okay. I, I I think they did about as good a job as they could explaining themselves without putting a whole lot of names and causing a bunch of extra controversy that didn't need to happen. Because yeah. I'll tell you, somebody didn't, that does not want to be named, that, that is you know, the, the victim, you obviously want to respect that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I can get with that. But, and then, of course, I guess with the, with, with the person that they feel like did harassment, they're trying to cover themselves legally, which is a whole other set of, you know, yeah, so then it gets a little weird because now this is the part I'm not 100% clear on, and I want this to be known, but reading through it, it looks like the somebody from the previous organization committee that is no longer there for KubeCon now still has control of a related Twitter account that they're still using, I guess have not released it or moved on from it, and was making statements that didn't necessarily align with what Jonathan and Brian put out. But when the victim statement came out, which I'm not going to put her name out there, like it's out there. If you want to go look it up, I'm, I'm not trying to send any other traffic her way unnecessarily. But if you read her statement, it's aligns with what the new management says. So, it's two versus one at this point. You know what I mean? And the other, the two have way more details and look way more credible than the one. So 
one of those things, man. I, 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 I guess you gotta like, because I don't know that I understood what you just said. So I'm wondering if anybody no, no. else. Will. No, I mean, I'm being. You have the new management and the victim who their stories align, and the other one doesn't. So it's like. So I guess whose story is not? Because I'm still confused. The, <laughs> yeah, this is the, so from good. the from the old management that got booted. That's still on the. I guess we'll call it uh, held hostage Twitter account for the time being. Okay. So yeah, it's it's a mess. Uh, and these aren't details of the sexual harassment. This is pertaining to something else. Like no, your- this is all related to the sexual harassment. So. Right? I'm, yeah, I'm still <laughs> deeply dead. And if you read KubeCon's statement, it doesn't clarify. It really only seems to... I think part of the problem is if I were advising you, I would have told them you need two releases. You need one release explaining about the harassment and what you're doing to keep the event safe. And then whatever's going on with the Twitter account needs to be a completely separate statement because those are two entirely different thing in the situation where people that want to know if the event is safe don't care about the Twitter account. Shouldn't have to read about it. No, aren't going to want to read about it. I didn't necessarily feel that way. I felt like it was covered because they even led with like, hey, we believe in safety and inclusivity. And because of that, this is what led to our actions to boot these other people. But those actions don't include booting the harasser, right? It was no, that. it does. Because that harasser was, my understanding, part of that previous management committee or organization committee, as they call it. So, yeah, they booted everybody other than themselves. Those two are the only two remaining because they said, hey, if you're part of the problem or you support part of the problem, we you're don't want about, to uh, part of the organization committee. At this point, we're going to use a couple of names just so I'm not confused. You're talking about. The, Jonathan the, and yeah. Brian or yes, booted everybody else. Okay. And that's and that's in their statement. Like they're the only yeah. two current organizing members as of this time, according okay. to their statement. That, everybody that's else where, is yeah, where I was getting lost, and I'm sure probably some other people were getting lost nah, too. Everybody else is gone. Like they just said, Hey, we figured it's best for us to just take over, and they're just gonna have to be some changes made. You know, because we ain't cool with that. Okay. And, and I'm with it. You know, like, like I said, if y'all believe this went down and any of y'all are still trying to back this dude, then like, what else can they do? You know what I mean? Like, because otherwise ain't nobody going to come to the event at that point. Exactly. Or you're going to lose a large number of people. So it's like, yeah, that's just a dumb decision if you, if you kept them around. So it makes sense. But yeah, just reading through it, you know. They're just saying anybody in position of power and authority, you can't behave that way. You know, typical stuff you would expect. You know, totally nobody should behave that way. In oh, terms sure, of right, sure, whether sure, you're sure. in power, nobody should be. But yes, all, de- definitely as somebody to the leadership position, you want to be setting an example for the community. Exactly. You don't want to be the one making the event less safe. Yeah. So it's it's a. Hey, I'm credit to them because you knew this is going to stir up a bunch of stuff, but like you got to do something about it. It's just unfortunate. I, I hate when things like this, this happen because the people who end up having to deal with it the most usually aren't the person who caused the problem. <laughs> right. But because it's technically their company, you know, their, their business, like they've got it. same way when I had a business, right. If one of my employees screwed up, even if I booted them, I'm the one who's got to deal with that for the next few months yeah. or whatever, because it's associated with me or my business or whatever. And just like, usually it's not that bad, but it's just sucks. You have to deal with the nuisance for a while that you didn't even create. So credit for them for at least getting out in front of it. You know, it sounds like the victim here was also willing to be cool for the most part and brushed up off under, under the rug. If they would have just been like, Hey, Y'all need to reprimand this guy and don't let him be in charge of anything or else people like me ain't going to come work your events anymore. But because that previous committee was still like, nah, you know, we kind of backed this dude or whatever. She was like, nah, that's not cool. And Brian and Jonathan also said like, yeah, that's not cool. You know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's become a bit of a mess. Obviously We, we as a community have to be better about, I don't care if they, you know, design good magic decks. I don't care if they're your boy. When they have obviously oh, yeah. screwed up, you got to say, say, no, we can't. 
No, we I, can't. I that's way for everything. Your actions have consequences, and you got to just deal with these consequences. And in this case, the consequence this should be it should include you're not welcome at this event for really any time in the foreseeable future. Like I couldn't imagine being at anything, whether we're talking a Magic tournament, CES, Gen Con, whatever, and one of my buddies just be harassing a woman and then me just be cool with them right after that. You know what I mean? Like, I just like my reaction, just be like, dog, what are you doing? Like, you know, like what the hell was that about? And, and sadly, that is not enough people's reaction. Too many people want to be like, yeah, you know, that's my boy. That's just how he is. Or insert, you know, lame excuse for reprehensible no. behavior here. Let me let me even step away and even say it doesn't even have to be sexual harassment. If I saw you and we're just walking through a convention and you just start giving a vendor hell for no reason or whatever, exactly, I, or like I don't know, kick somebody's table, I just be like, dude, what's wrong with you? You know, like, well, how is that acceptable at all? Right? So it's it, just across the board. We just got to cut out the stupid behavior. And that's the thing. I think people would be more likely to respond to something like that. But for some reason, when it comes to, to sexual harassment, that people are just, well, some people just don't want to speak out. And that's, we need to be applying peer pressure to people who think it's okay to act like this. Yeah. And, and silence is just as bad as, you know, silence is essentially acceptance. Silence is saying that, hey, if you, if you see your boy harassing somebody and you don't say anything about it, yeah, and, and let me say, we we have a semi-related story <laughs> from another community that came up uh, this week as well. So it's, it's we got to get our stuff together, gamers. I mean, really. And then you wonder why women don't feel safe a lot of times coming to these events, being a part of this community, because, you know, obviously, like we said, you see this happen, sadly, in all forms of business in all walks of life. But then, you know, people want to see how you respond to the situation, how quickly you do an investigation, how quickly you, once you've gotten the resulting investigation, you respond and take action. And yeah. this era of, of social media, where if you, if you take the wrong steps, everybody's going to tell everybody else. They're going to know like, Hey, yeah, don't go to that event. It's not safe. No, I think overall they did a good job with how they handled it. It's just tough that they had to, you know. This this is something that was totally avoidable, unfortunately. But let's go ahead and uh, step into the soapbox because there's still more stuff to cover this week, surprisingly. And, you know, it feels like every time we get to New Year's, there's always the discussions of, what we'd like to see in magic, things we'd like to see come back, you know, and you see all those posts, they're all over social media. And inevitably, one of the ones that comes up a lot is the player rewards program. And I'm always asked about it or whatever, what I think about it. And it's interesting because I kind of had an opinion about it previous to me working at Wizards. And I have a slightly different but related opinion after having worked at Wizards and even discussed it and asked about it or whatever. But for those you don't know, the Player Rewards program is basically why you're playing at your local stores or, or actually a DCI-sanctioned event at the time. So an event run by or at least organized by Words of the Coast. If you got so many events under you, you know, every five maybe it was, you got credit for a certain promo. And then if you got either 15 or 20, whatever the number was, you also got a special foil promo. And that was usually done, I think, on like a quarterly basis or something, but or maybe it's every six months. But then you, every so many, you just get a mail would show up at your house that has some number of promos in it, which in and of itself seems like kind of a cool idea, right? Play Magic, get bonus cards that show up at your doorstep, like kind of cool. The problem is it, okay, the low level problem is it really didn't motivate people to play more. People who were already playing just got stuff. And people weren't going out and playing more to get promos, which is, I think, what the incentive was, right? You get people to go to the stores more often. They play maybe a weekly event they wouldn't play before because by the end of the cycle, they're getting another three, four promos, which is kind of cool. And they were nice promos, and they were usually worth something. So, 
should have been motivation. But the thing is, a lot of people are just playing what they can play or have the schedule they have regardless. And it wasn't really changing. And I'd even say the average player didn't even know how many promos they were supposed to get. They just showed up in the mail and we're like, hey, Wizards mailings are showing up, guys. And then everybody keeps an eye on their mailbox to see how many promos they were getting. The bigger business side to it from Wizards is if you're not getting extra motivated play, then the expense isn't necessarily worth it because there was a large dollar value attached to this beyond just printing the promos and the packaging. It's also, you had to mail tens of thousands of envelopes or packages to people around the world, right? That's not cheap. (laughs) And you're doing this multiple times a year and it, and it's stacks, right? And then you had issues with like, you know, there were some accounts in Russia that people weren't tracking as well. So they were just like, falsifying results to get more promos but like you had a hard time proving it and then that creates more trouble for your investigations department and like it was just like stacks of things that became oh and then not even talking about people who don't update their information ever because there's not usually a need to update your information in wizard system unless you know you're signing up to update your credit card or something to buy something on arena or whatever maybe but arena didn't exist at the time but that you got a lot of mail that got sent back so now you have this issue of you paid all this money to send stuff out. And then let's say, you know, two or 3% of it is also being shipped back to you. So now it's wasted stuff. And now you have customer service with people saying, oh, I should have got 20 promos. Why did they not show up? And it's like, oh, because everyone's got returns. And now you got to send that back out and have other people deal with that. So that's an extra expense. So like at the end of the day, there's just all this stuff that was associated with that were problems and costs for no real benefit, unfortunately. Now I get the argument that, you know, Wizards is a billion dollar company and they can just pay to whatever and they can eat it. Like, yeah, they can, but what company is going to spend literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for no real return, right? That's it at the end of the day. Now, maybe we could slowly move to another system where if you play so many things at your local store, you get bonuses in arena or I don't know, some kind of cool things for your, your, app or something you know the the magic companion app you get some things because you played in stores or whatever that's probably a more realistic thing that could exist in the future but the version that just gets us getting cards in the mail for free probably isn't going to be a thing anymore like i don't know did you ever get any cards through that program dude because that might have been i don't I, I, yeah i think that was probably before me but i don't remember getting anything from that yeah i got some a few times and i was a very active player at the time going to all the qualifiers and everything else And I couldn't even tell you at any given time how many I was supposed to be getting. Like, it just wasn't a top of mind thing. Either I could go to the qualifiers or I couldn't, you know, and that was kind of it at the end of the day. It wasn't like, oh, man, I got to make one more event so I get this like $20 promo or whatever. It was just I'm playing tournaments. And then, you know, some point in June or July, like a package shows up that has a bunch of promos in it. So and I think that was the problem. Ultimately, you know, I think people in hindsight, remember it very fondly because it was like, oh, I remember getting free stuff in the mail and it was awesome. And, you know, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. But if you really think about it, like you weren't playing more because you were getting promos. Like you just weren't. But I think now there's at least digital tools and things that Wizards could lean on. There's some stuff maybe they could work with retailers. And if you show up to this store, particularly five times next month, you get this particular promo from the store. I mean, there's probably something you could do like that. But just getting stuff to show up to your house probably isn't going to be a thing anymore. It was just wrought with problems, high expenses, and at some point, you just can't justify it. But anyway, let's see what you got, dude. All right. You may not have known because uh, HBO's John Oliver jokes that Apple TV is kind of where celebrities go to hide, but uh, Jon Stewart late of the daily show did have a show on apple tv called uh, the problem with with john stewart and i guess the problem with john stewart now is that the show is canceled and isn't coming back for i believe it's gonna be season three and a large part of the reason is because one of the stories he wanted to do was talking about uh ai and and kind of how china was involved in that and Apple being his employer is kind of said, no, nah, we'd well, we'd rather you stay away from that topic. And again, John Stewart is John Stewart. He basically is kind of the goat of 
this education entertainment form of kind of thing that, that has happened. Like, so like I mentioned John Oliver's show, like the daily show is basically a predecessor to last week with John Oliver. And there's several of these shows now that have comedians doing the news. And in some cases doing more journalism than actual people that get paid to do journalism. John Stewart has often said, you know, I had no intention of being a journalist. I don't want to do the journalist job. But since in so many cases, people on network news shows weren't doing it, he ended up doing it. And here is a private example. This is another case where tech companies are, you know, even though they probably didn't mean to get into the news business because they are the primary way that we share information now through, you know, Facebook, whatever Twitter has become, our iPhones, they are part of the news cycle. Sadly, once you, <laughs> once you become part of, you know, how news is shared, yeah, you're going to have to sit down and have some discussion about, what are our guidelines? What are our, you know, what are our ethics? Yeah, but and, I mean, as much as I'd like them to, they're just not going to work against their best interests, whether we like it or not. HBO does. John Oliver talks about Word of Discovery on a weekly basis. So it can be done. It's just a matter of Apple decided at the end of the day, they were not willing to do it. And again, yeah. if if somebody like John Stewart can't get free reign, somebody with multiple Emmys, again, somebody that essentially created a whole genre of education slash entertainment, if he can't get carte blanche to perform journalism, I have no idea who's going to in this thing. Sure, I, I feel like the difference to, like, when you're talking about somebody like John Oliver, like, I feel like there's a whole social media built around that show as well that Apple has not given the same to Jon Stewart. Like they, because it's Apple, probably they want more control over the narrative around it and what's going on. And that's always going to be the case. Plus, you know, we were talking about this. Again, we, we see other, it's not always literally their competitor who is doing it at this point far better than they are is not putting their thumb on the scale. Sure, but they're also maximizing it, and that's part of their business plan around it, right? Apple yeah, and, it's, and lo and behold, last week with John Oliver is still on, yeah. whereas I'm probably telling a lot of people about the problem with John Stewart, and it's probably the first they're hearing of it because Apple has a different... Do you have Apple TV to call it? Nope. <laughs> Here's part of our problem. Apple just does not i have it but it wasn't because i specifically went out and purged it it's because i think it came with the playstation it's kind of like the new aol disc yeah i bought a playstation it came with six months we we bought a macbook it came with like 10 months and so we've had it for probably two years without ever voluntarily seeking it out but that's kind of the thing too right you you have to be aware of the companies you're getting in bed with Right. What other projects have they gone? How have they treated it? And and who knows? They might have just paid Jon Stewart a, a truckload of money to come and do a couple of seasons of a show. And then once things didn't go the way either one of them wants, it's time to part ways, I guess. But, you know, we, we talked about it, though, off offline that Apple already has other issues going on with their their Apple watches right now. So they're probably not trying to upset anybody anywhere that could be worth any amount of money because they're about to lose quite a bit between I sales it is, you, and it's not like, Yeah, but you knew who John Stewart was yeah. when you hired him. Yep. And there, when, when you when you bring John Stewart inside the building, he's somebody that investigates things and asks questions. If you don't if you don't want that kind of guy, John Stewart is but not you the know what how many times have we seen that throughout everything in life? People hire a certain coach or people get a certain CEO or whatever. And then two, three years later, they're going, ah, okay, we got our publicity. We got a little bit of a bump out of this. We're done with you. You know, yeah. hell, that was the famous thing that happened with the Cowboys, right? You brought in Jimmy Johnson. But, you, you won two But Super I would Bowls, say, I would argue then... that's sports. <laughs> this is literally, in, in terms of watching our politicians, this is the most important job I, I in the world. But it's still a tech company first. It's journalism second. Whether we like it or not, I, don't, I mean, we obviously don't want it to be that way when you have somebody as good as Jon Stewart. But that's still what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? Which does I mean, not, unfortunately, does not make it right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. It's just, you know, same thing when you see, like, Amazon and these other companies getting into these spaces for entertainment and whatever. It's like, 
that's not their core competence. Like, you know, like you're saying, HBO, their whole thing is performance, get in front of people, get eyeballs, whatever. Like, Apple TV is kind of, like, it's cool. It's making some money for Apple, but they're a tech company. First and, and I will grant you, HBO's brand has always been to hire people like Bill Maher that have yep. <laughs> that were too controversial for ABC. So they, I guess, hell, Bill it, Maher has been on for hell, I don't know, twenty years now. Easily, <laughs> like, probably, because I, I think I wasn't politically incorrect. I started sometime back in the nineties, so yeah, maybe thirty years. I don't know, thirty years. Yeah, I just feel like I've seen him on TV forever. So I mean, oh yeah, he's been it's been there for a minute. So, yeah, that's part of their business plan. They're okay with it. Like, they know what's going to, especially in the modern society, because they're going to get all those views on socials. They're going to get people sharing yeah. stuff on Facebook and whatever. And, like, they know that. Which, right? in theory, is what Apple should want, is people people knowing that Apple TV exists so you don't have to make it the new yeah. AOL disc. But, but. but, again, there's certain partners in certain countries and certain business things that they don't want to shake up because it's worth too much to their tech side. That's what they're doing right now. And and right now, like I said, with that Apple Watch thing, I bet they're even being extra careful because they're starting the year very likely. By the time they get to the end of Q1, they're going to give up several hundred million dollars right off the bat yeah. and have to figure out how to make up lost sales for their current waves of, of uh, Apple Watches. So that's that's going to be a tough deal. So, yeah, like the quad said, like they're not going to do it themselves. We are going to have to start holding their feet to the fire. If Facebook accidentally hacks another election, we, we get people. And I do know I people mean, who have quit, who have I left Facebook because of the things that there, are happening. There's the a past. good reality, though, that Apple TV may. I mean, they can keep it alive if they want to keep it alive because, you know, they're Apple, one of the most expensive com companies in the world. But they may not even want to keep it around in another year or two anyway, if nobody's adopting it. Cause like you're saying, also you true. only have it because it came with a couple of devices, but you know, yeah. once your two years of trials run out, you probably even going to want to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, especially now that they're, that, that, that John Stewart's gone. That was, he would be a reason I would continue purchasing your content. Yeah. So it's a little weird deal, but Let's get into what did we learn this week, because I think we have a couple of pretty interesting things to talk about that people might want to hear about. So what do you got this week, dude? Yeah, Xbox has a new president, Sarah Bond, and lo and behold, it is a black woman. So we are super excited about that. She has been with Microsoft for about seven years, so this, is a, this sounds like a well-earned promotion for her. And hey, Game Awards and other industry shows. You now have zero excuse for not having women in your programming because the previous, you know, male president of Xbox, I saw him all the time. Every time there was an E3, RIP E3, uh, CES, or what have you. So that no more, like, we couldn't find a woman to, to, to come talk to us about what xyz video cameras video game company is doing because now we have a woman charge of one of the most important brands in gaming so congratulations to her and can't wait to see her at the forefront of all these industry debates yeah i think that's a big deal you know because we did talk about that you know about a month ago of just how some of these award shows go like ah there's there's just no women to include in the things and it's like well no here's one that's head of now of one of the biggest players in the industry. So yeah. I'm not saying she needs to be on every single thing, but like she, she should at least. Well, no, she should. The, the previous guy was on just about every single event as yeah. president of Xbox. Why well, wouldn't no, you be? That I will say like, if you were willing to talk to him, you should be willing to talk to her. I don't think yeah. he necessarily need to be on as many things as he was, but Hey, if you're going to talk to somebody, you might as well talk to her too. You know? And now we can absolutely debate like, yeah, they're, they're, th those shows always had far too many charts and graphs, yeah. but th there are ways to do it. Like, for yeah. example, Reggie from Nintendo was awesome. R Reggie, you could tell, is a gamer. Gamers love Reggie. He just, you know, he didn't make it sound like a homework. He got you hype about whatever game he was talking about. It was largely because he, he knew not to just make your head spin with all the charts and the graphs and the data. Cause that's not what anybody wants to see you know, at a game I, show. I, I will say to that point, 
I think that's also Nintendo understanding their audience better. Right. Right. Like Nintendo is saying like, Hey, we know a lot of our people are going to be more casual. A lot of our people aren't going to be super tech savvy folks or whatever. So, and I, and I think that bothers some people that are hardcore gamers when they see a Nintendo presentation because they're not throwing out all these flashy numbers and these processors and all they're like, you know what? We've been doing this behind the scenes and this is what like we're going to do for the sweet new Zelda thing. Right. And, and that's what they're showing off. Right. The new Super Mario. We got this really cool technology we're going to work in and here's what it can possibly do. Right. They don't care. They're not going to try to tell you it's possible because it uses this processor and it's going to yeah, be because Nintendo this is always going to be kind of dead last technologically, but their games are going to be the best. Yeah. Nintendo because- is not concerned about putting the, the, the best processor, the, the, the cutting edge. They, they, their primary concern is, is this game fun to play? Yep. And, and that's why that's why they crush it all the time because... Dude, the, I've, said it, the, the, I've said it for years, why so many games fail as they're trying to be this best new whatever. And it's like sometimes just make the simple thing that's fun. Yeah, I mean, hell, go they're great. Up. They're great tech demos sometimes, but they fail in terms of yeah. being video games that are fun to play. But dude, look at look at stuff like Fall Guys, Among Us, you know, yeah. whatever that end up making tens of millions of dollars. Yes, yeah, so those are like PS One quality graphics, yeah. but the games are fun. Especially the case of case of Among Us became a phenomenon. Just the yeah. biggest thing in gaming for what about five, six months easily. Oh, yeah. But it was the better, like late 2020 through a big chunk of 2021. That was the thing a lot of creators played with each other because it was easy right. for content. You could play with your audience. Like it was just a fun, simple game. And, and there's when people love a good murder mystery, you know? <laughs> yeah, we just, we just need more of those, man. Those are really what can dominate. You know, I think it's unfortunate because you get a lot of studios that spend tons of money, tens of millions to put out a product that everybody goes, yeah, that looks cool, but (laughs) every year we end up burying, you know, 50 games that they looked great at, you know, insert game convention here. They were pretty. The explosions were good, but you didn't make us care about the main character. Or yep. you didn't have some kind of interesting... Or it didn't have high replay value. Or yeah. in, in this age, it's it's not a fun game to stream. It's not, you know, like all these other things yeah. that you should be figuring in now to sell good There games. are a million games that graphically look better than Dead by Daylight, but there are probably there probably aren't 10 that are more fun to watch somebody yeah. play. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think that's where something like Baldur's Gate gets it right. That it looks great, it's good to play with people. And when you're streaming it, there's a lot of decisions people can talk about, interact with or whatever. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if you know, they have a really good Twitch interface for Baldur's Gate where you can, as a viewer, click and see people's inventory and stats and all kinds. Oh, of wow. Like, yeah, it's like they went the extra mile. Like they they look at it. I just go, man, they get it right. They knew if we're going to be a phenomenon, we got to be able to engage people. That's how you win game of the year. Yeah. Some people get it. Now, speaking of kind of a segue here for people getting it, uh, a lot of people don't get it when it comes to content. And this is something that comes up a lot. And and I'm surprised how many people don't understand it at this point because we're such a social media driven society at this point. But I see a lot of creators struggling with the fact of like their followers are saying, oh, you should make this. You should do this video. You should do this thing and talk about this. But the truth is, like, your favorite creators can't do all of those things. Because at the end of the day, if they do all those things, that will be extra work, extra process, possibly extra equipment to get them no more views. And a matter of fact, it might actually harm them. Because the wider you spread your net, even within a category, you eventually get diminishing returns a lot of times. Because these systems one, don't know who to recommend to your channel anymore, right? Or your site or whatever, because you're less focused now. Even for me, as as a magic creator with Arena or whatever, I do mostly standard stuff. Every once in a while, I'll step outside the box and do something in a format or whatever, but I get a lot of people that say, oh, why don't you do more videos on this or that? It's like, because my views won't be there, right? I'm not a channel for 
brawl or historic or whatever. So those videos aren't going to hit the same as my standard videos. Like I, and I've even sampled it a couple of times and I think one did decent. The others did not do well. And that was to be expected, right? Because that's just, just how things work. And occasionally I'll do other videos that are related. Like I recently did like why you don't win more at magic, right? And here's some things you could do to win more games. Those are going to be evergreen. Those are things people can search for. They're still related to playing the game magic. Like fine. Like I will just still do that type of stuff. But people have to understand that you can't just do everything. It's just, right. even if you're doing video games, like if you do, you know, like, let's say you're a fan of Dead by Daylight, right? You do a lot of Dead by Daylight videos. Maybe you do some other horror type, maybe you do uh, phasma, Phantasmophobia, maybe you play that a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm gonna do this whole string of Nintendo games or whatever, right? Those viewers that like that style of like horror genre stuff aren't necessarily gonna wanna watch all your other things. So now YouTube will see that as being, well, this is a high quality video, but the click through rate sucks and all the regular viewers don't seem to like it. We don't need to be recommending this to other people because it's probably not a good video. Even though the video might be fine, it just doesn't hit with the metrics that you built up in this audience. So like, that's hard for people to understand. So your favorite creator isn't ignoring you when you say like, oh, you should do this or that. You know, they're not just making excuses. Just at the end of the day, it's not necessarily beneficial to them. There's a reason you see a lot of creators that have three or four channels for stuff or three yeah. or four different accounts on TikTok or whatever. And like each one's for a certain thing. Hell, I have a review video channel where I review snacks and foods and technology or whatever. None of those videos are ever going to appear on my Magic Arena channel effectively because it, even though they might get a few more views, it would actually mess up the information for my actual gaming stuff. So it's like there's no point putting it there. But yeah, just yeah, you wouldn't go to McDonald's, I would hope, and be like, "Hey, y'all, uh, y'all start making Mexican food." No, yeah, y'all just start <laughs> selling pizzas, right? I, I want to yeah. pick up pizzas with my Big Mac, right? It just, just not a thing. So, if you ever wonder why people don't or why they kind of stay very tightly to a lane, it's because it makes their job easier, both for getting reach and also for production. I mean, that's it at the end of the day, right? Because if you have a very defined lane. You can have a process that allows you to put stuff out consistently, high quality every time. Once you start spreading it out, now your expertise becomes less valuable. Your processes may not fit everything. And then you have to start reassessing all that. But that being said, man, we're already running long, but we have some topics we want to talk about that I think are interesting. So let's hop into those. All right, this one we're not going to linger on too long, but I thought this was a very interesting fact. But TikTok has actually fallen significantly in popularity among teens with the most recent polls. And for those of you who don't know, during the pandemic, there was a point where TikTok was nearly 90% accepted and used among that audience. And now it's all the way down to 63%. Like, that's a huge drop in the matter of, like, two years. And... Nobody really knows 100% why, but if you look at how the platforms change and how it's used, and even which creators have jumped ship to other things, kind of makes sense, really. I mean, I know they were paying black people, so that's probably why a lot of us left. Well, yeah, that's true, too. Well, not just not paying black people, but there was also a lot of issues where lots of black creators were having their stuff reported falsely and you know yeah. it was hard keeping your account open, and that was a whole thing. I think we talked about it on the show probably about a year ago, where I found a guy who was even purposely copying the style of other live creators on there that he knew had not been shut down, even went as far as to dress similarly as a couple of them, even though he's doing his own content, but just making a point, and then his stuff was getting reported and shut down. So it was just like, all right, come on. So yeah, all those issues I think have contributed to that. Interestingly, though, YouTube has about a 90% usage and approval rate. So that has been a big shift. Now, that may also be because YouTube stuck to the true, like, 60-second short-form content with shorts, which seems to be getting, whatever the last number was, it was something huge, like 15 billion views a day or some absurd number that they're getting. Because, you know, it's YouTube, everything's a giant scale. But all those things seem to be contributing. And they're only slightly ahead of Snapchat right now. Which is wild, because I don't even hardly know anybody who uses Snapchat regularly. Mm. But that's a thing. So, just something I thought was worth bringing up, because 
you're starting to see even your favorite magic creators use content differently. You know, we've talked before, a lot of them are kind of like iffy on what they're going to do with Twitter slash X anymore. Different business. Hell, you know what I've even seen on, on Twitter lately is just these, uh, they're, I will call them um, bot models because they're not real people that basically just start liking random comments that you post on stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, who even is this? I'll click on it, and it's obviously a bot account. But I'm like, why are bots even on here just liking comments? Like, somebody will ask me about, like, wrestling or something, and I reply to them. And the first thing immediately is, like, these two or three things, like your thing. And they're not even the same ones on video to video or comment to comment. That's what's crazy. So, yeah, some of these have become a mess. So I get why Twitter wasn't even on there on the top five list. I believe uh, it was YouTube, TikTok. Snapchat, then Instagram, and then I think Facebook after that. So, yeah, the landscape's definitely changing. Just something to keep your eyes on. I don't, I don't know what that means for the future, but by the end of this year, I'm going to be interested to come back to those numbers again, you know, next January, because I think that could be a whole different look. But we did kind of foreshadow this other creator issue with some uh, harassment, so let's go ahead and get into that. Yeah, so this one's a little interesting because we always talk about how gamers as a whole need to get their stuff together when it comes to how we treat people. And this was just another example, right? So those you don't know, uh, Rebel or goes by Sun Rebel uh, on, I guess, Twitter, but on most of social media, I believe uh, Rebel also has a YouTube channel, has started to play some Warhammer and thought, hey, you know, reference Warhammer's announcement they put out because for those you don't know kind of to rewind the clock almost two years now when the whole george floyd thing happened actually more than two years i guess they put out a statement basically saying like hey all this negativity all this racism whatever like we don't want that in our community like the company games workshop put this out so good on them basically saying warhammers for everyone we're not putting up with your crap anymore and rebel had referenced that while talking about the concept of female space marines and then shared a picture of like, here's my rendition of what female space marines look like on the battlefield, which is basically a funny thing because it's the product shot of a bunch of ultramarines. Because if you have women in spacesuits, they look like everybody else because they're just big metal spacesuits, right? So that was kind of the idea. But they do exist within the world of Warhammer. There's even a whole faction of like the Sisters of Battle, and that's a whole thing. But what I don't think people understand about that community is that the concept of female space marines has kind of become the proxy political war for fandom in that community, where, you know, the the left seems to be the ones that are like, cool with it, and yeah, whatever, anybody can be a space marine, it's fine, whatever. And then the the right, being the more conservative, kind of make everything about well, women shouldn't be space marines, whatever. And then it's weird when you read through it because then it's all the arguments are basically veiled political arguments. They're just trying to use Warhammer as as the the structure to have the discussion they want to have. So it's a very ugly situation. You, know, you, you hate women. You just come out and, yeah, but, and say I mean, that, basically. But you can tell, like, because there are, I don't want to say dog whistles, because, but there, there is language that's been used yeah. or whatever picked from other things that they're using yeah. to make their same arguments. Not but, smooth, not smooth at all. Yeah, so it's very obvious what's going on, but it is a thing, right? And Rebel was kind of surprised, like, man, I've only been dealing with the Warhammer folks for a couple of days, and like, this is crazy. Like, and you know, kind of came back it's, to the magic side and was like, it's pretty well known. Yeah, I've been like, I'm glad it's not that bad over here, you know. And that's kind of one of those things like the grass ain't always greener, you know, for as much as we I mean, about it, we have problems. It, it, it's hard to, I mean, there are days, <laughs> I would yeah, say. I'm with you. Like, it's like our lead well. story is dudes being terrible to women. Sure. And, and, and other dudes trying to make it not be that bad. I am no way going to say it doesn't exist because it does. Like, it would be foolish to say otherwise in, in the magic community. But I can also say there are several other communities I've dealt with or been part of that felt way worse on any given day. And Warhammer was definitely one of them. And 
this is tough because it's also not to say that Warhammer doesn't have really nice people in it. Like I've met several really yeah. fun. Well, hell, there's some that I met as customers that are now friends of mine that I have been for years that were Warhammer players, right? So I'm not going to say that's the case, but it is tough seeing just the amount of negativity and I don't know, gatekeeping, you know, is one of the better words for it or whatever that exists in that community. It's, it's pretty crazy sometimes. And if you read through the thread, I mean, there's some people that are totally, again, you know, on rebel side, just like, Hey, look, here's all my female space Marines and just sharing a picture of their ultimarine yeah. sitting on their shelf or whatever. And then there's the other people that are literally sharing memes of like, there will never be fem Marines as they put it, you know? And it's just like, come on, what are we doing? And part of the irony is Warhammer is supposed to be, you know, a satire of Margaret Thatcher's Britain that had become incredibly, you know, just like sexist, racist, xenophobic, etc. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the... The people that think Archie Bunker was right. No, he was never supposed to be the hero. But people that feel the same way, that yeah, that Archie Bunker is getting got it right. That was never what Warhammer was supposed to be, but it's been co-opted. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a weird thing anyway. And, and and not even just to pick on Warhammer players, like, but just fandom as a whole getting offended when somebody wants to make fan fiction or you know, create their own head cannon for something or whatever, or make a different in the case of war machine or Warhammer, the like make a different faction or something that has that lore. Like it's still just a game at the end of the day. It's just stories. Like, what are we trying to be upset about? You know, I, it doesn't make sense. Hell to be honest, the Imperium of man in their story aren't even necessarily the good guys. <laughs> no, no, they are clearly designed to not, be the, yeah, the, the good guys look at it and think that they're the good guys right off the bat it's like yeah. if you knew anything about the lore those are not even the the good dudes in the story right. a lot of the time so it, it's a weird thing you know but there's a new uh the, the, there's a new rpg set in the warhammer universe and one of the uh one of the choices they had because apparently your employees are singing you know as they go about their because you know go about their work or whatever and mm-hmm. one of the dialogue choices asks you you know why have you know th- these people are common folks? They're workers. Why have you not already had their vocal cords removed like all the other nobles? <laughs> and they give you the option, you know, you can remove all the workers' vocal cords and they'll stop all that singing and whatnot. So yeah, that's and I, yeah, and these are the humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know that's the world, right? And I don't think yeah. people even understand that. So it's funny seeing the things people are willing to argue for or against within these different fandoms when they don't even necessarily understand the complete undertone of the stories and the things they're, they're even supporting, which is even funnier. It's kind of the whole point of Warhammer is that by that point in the grim, dark future, everyone is terrible. <laughs> just everybody yeah. is. And, and again, you know, this is that whole thing of when I hear people say like, Oh, this group's the worst, this group's worst. I'm like, well, let me introduce you to some other groups and let you make a better opinion because there's a lot out there with a lot of bad people. Like, and, and this isn't, again, for much as we believe being gamers, we're all good people and we're all looking for more people to play games with or whatever. You know what? That's probably like the better 80, 90% of the community. Honestly, if you go to a convention, there's most people are going to have a sign saying, Hey, we're just looking for a player. We don't care. As long as you're willing to play the game with me, have a seat seats open. Right. But it's that other, like, depending on the game, we'll say five to 15% that gives a lot of groups a bad name right and that that's the part that sucks because those people exist everywhere and it's not and and they'll you know and they'll form their own cliques oh yeah like like reddit free magic and if that's the first thing you see yeah you'll think that's tough you'll think that's what everybody is like if that's the if you have the, the misfortune where that's the first group you have an interaction with and and let me say like that's not Like, we don't get a pass just because we're gamers to say that doesn't exist. But we have to always remember, we're still people, and we represent part of society. And those people all exist in society. So they're not magically going to disappear just because we get into some hobby or some game or whatever. They're still going to be making up some percentage of our communities. 
So yeah. we still have to treat it the same way as we would anywhere else. Because why do we want to keep more people out of our products? Why do we want to keep more people out of our games? Like at the end of the day, we should want more people to game with because then we get more cool stuff for our favorite games. I mean, that's kind of just it. <laughs> like it's simple math. That's supposed to be. Yeah. All right, we got one more thing to hit on before we get to the dinner table. And this one's pretty interesting because Wizards of the Coast decided they are going to be moving to, well, as they put it, they're going to make shipping times better. However, in the process, that means because they're going to be moving to a pre-printed amount of cards for secret layers versus print to demand. And that has a lot of people feeling some kind of way because this is a tough one, right? The, the situation is Wizard of the Coast gets a lot of complaints because things take a long time to get to people after they paid for them. Or then sometimes they may not even want them after they get there, whatever. You know, it, some stuff ships quicker than other stuff. So expectations don't make sense. And I'm sure that leads to a bunch of different customer service calls or emails that people got to deal with. So they're saying, hey, we're just going to go to a pre-printed option. It does mean some stuff may sell out, but people are going to get their stuff faster. And we've seen that already because we've had some times where I believe the D&D set was like that. Because also, though, I think the D&D set was already printed because it was supposed to try to line up with the movie. But then, you know, things happen. So that kind of makes sense. But people were getting that within weeks of paying for it. It was showing up. Some people just two or three weeks out, I think. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be here so soon. So it's kind of cool that that is a thing. And maybe they use that as seeing like, oh, this was a positive experience. Our customer service teams weren't getting bombarded. Maybe we need to do this more often. The flip side of that, though, is there are some people that may miss out on things now, right? Because we don't know how many they're going to print of stuff. Like if they're printing, I don't know, I'm just going to make up a number, but, you know, 100,000 of a thing, well, that probably lasts a couple of weeks on the site, right? But if they're printing 5,000 or 10,000 of a thing, that may not even last a week. Hell, that may not even last a couple of days, depending on what it is. So it... That can make it a tough situation. How much is Wizards Day willing to accept as overage or just, you know, just destroying it from shrinkage? It just doesn't sell, whatever. That could be part of it. You also have weird things, too, where some people don't get paid till like a Friday. And if the thing launches on a Tuesday, it might be sold out before they're able to get it if it's one of the hot products. So I think there's going to be some trial and error that has to happen over the first probably, man, probably even the first three months or so of releases just to see kind of the numbers they need to print, what's working, what's not, how people respond to stuff. But inevitably, there's going to be a bump in the road where something's hot, there's a bunch of people in the queue, you know, some number of the people don't get a thing, and then people are going to be mad. You know, when before, they'd been like, I don't know why they changed it, because if it was just print to demand, we'd all be getting something. I mean, you wouldn't get it for like maybe five months, but you'd all get it, Right. I think that's the tough argument here. Like, and I don't, I don't know which way is better, you know, truthfully, I feel like maybe it could have some flexibility where maybe if it sells out within a certain number of days, wizards looks and says, Hey, we're going to go ahead and print some more, but these are going to be print on demand. You won't get the, like, if you ordered before this date, you'll get it in a couple of weeks. If not, it's going to be two months before the show's up at your house. I think that would be acceptable on a super hot one, but otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I don't, how do you feel about it? Is one way better? I mean, you said you don't know. And if you don't know, I certainly don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I mean, both ways make a lot of sense. Honestly, they, they really do. And I feel like in most cases, people who want a thing will probably be able to get the thing. I would like to think, especially now that wizards has what, three or four, four years, maybe of numbers on secret layer. Now, they kind of know what's selling and what doesn't, so they have some stuff they can reference. So I'd imagine if some number of people don't get it, it would be a small number of people. But I don't know, man. I, I, I think we're just going to have to see. That's going to be a tough one. I don't, I mean, I do think if you want to make something, buy something that's an investment, secret layers have been consistently higher value than they are when they come out. So, I mean, sure. But I also don't think secret layer is a product that, everybody needs to have either you know it's all reprints anyway the things that aren't get reprinted later in the year anyway so there's nothing that you have to have that's a secret layer and i think that's the thing that kind of makes me well i don't really know i don't feel super emotionally invested in the decision either way because 
these are all reprints, right? These aren't things people have to have to be competitive. These aren't things that other than you might really be a fan of a certain artist or a certain style or something, you want that card. But otherwise, yeah, it kind of is what it is. But it's something we'll keep an eye on. But that does bring us to the dinner table. And because it's that time of year, everybody at New Year's is making New Year's resolutions. I'm sure any gym you go to right now is going to be packed and you're not going to be able to find a machine to use if you go during prime hours. So if you wait four weeks, nobody will be there in February. So, you know, right. If you're a regular gym, that's how that works. Yeah. If you're a regular gym goer, just work from home for three weeks, you'll be fine. But that does bring up the question, Brian. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? I actually do not. I just didn't. Man, we're late. Because I ain't got nothing either. <laughs> Why did we pick this topic? Yeah, but, I, but I think I, but I think that's exactly it. I think it's okay to even say you don't have them. Because I think a lot of people feel they have to make a New Year's resolution to like, okay, I, New Year, new me, right? I should start working on something. But I've always had the the belief that, you know, let's say I realize in October, right, that, all right, I kind of need to do something. I'm putting on a couple pounds or Maybe I got too far away from a hobby I enjoy or whatever. Then I should just start making plans to work on it now, right? Like it, it's always been weird to me to say, "Oh, well, I'll start in three months," right? Like, well, why not today if it's a problem? You know what I mean? Like that's the way I treat everything. Like if I'm, you don't understand how procrastination works. <laughs> no, believe me, I do because I do procrastinate on something. But part of the re- part of the reason for the news resolution is so if you think if you realize you're getting too much weight in October, you can not worry about it until January. But see, I also felt like if I do it, if I start now and I work into the process or whatever, I'm probably more likely to keep that resolution versus just like, all right, January one, it starts now and it becomes this whole thing, and you know. You're putting this mental pressure on yourself and it's just like, there's no need. It's all those people that are like, got to get up at six. I got to get to the gym, work out before I go to work. Like, But if you'd have worked into a process where that became part of your lifestyle regularly for three months, you'd probably be more likely to keep it versus just, you know, after eating all those Christmas meals and drinking said, on New Year's Eve. Eat all them, yeah, you could eat all those <laughs> sweet potato pies if you start in October. Exactly. Or you could if you would have already blown your... Your, your new habits or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I know yeah, it's it is. You're magically going to go through the gym, right? It, it actually can cause so much procrastination because you end up waiting until January to start the thing. Like you say, you could have. If your doctor tells you it's September, you need to drop a few pounds. There's no reason to wait till January. Yeah. What we do, you know. And I and I will say this: like, I don't think I have rarely ever have like hard resolutions, but there are things that as the year went on last year, you think about when those opportunities come up next year, like, you know, at conventions, how I interact with people. I want to kind of make some things for more handouts, like stickers and stuff. I think that would be cool, but that's not really a resolution. That's just like reviewing what happened the last year at my conventions and stuff. Like I kind of want to do something extra, but I don't even have an opportunity to do it until February when I go to Chicago. Right. So like, I definitely wanted, you know, to make sure the podcast got in front of more people, but we both want to do that. So we didn't wait until January. When did we start putting this on YouTube? It's been uh, like uh, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So So it's just one of those. Yeah. yeah, That's something we're still going to, you know, keep working on as the year goes on. But like you said, we wanted to do it. So we didn't. Didn't want to wait. Let's wait until January and let's do something. But again, by not waiting, it's like, okay, you can start getting data. You can start seeing what works. We can start experimenting with thumbnails, starting all this stuff. Whereas if you just waited till January, well, now we're a month and a half behind where we could have been, you know, like because we just decided not to do it. We'll just wait till the new year, right? So I, I think. And then, and then I gained all the weight for no sweet potato pies. If we wait, see, it's just yeah, no good. Real. See, but by doing it, now people see us on YouTube. I got to focus on losing some weight so I don't I don't look like I'm eating all those sweet potato pies. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but I am not. I eat a whole lot of pie. <laughs> I, I eat a lot of sweet potato. I ate a lot of like apple pie and chocolate pie. I I did for sure. But yeah, it's just one of those things. I think a lot of people put pressure on themselves with resolutions when it's just like, hey, if stuff comes up, start working on a solution. I think that's the best thing and then you can just get into a practice or a habit or better yet, you just get to solve your problem sooner <laughs> you know, instead of just living with it for however long. Hell, I know people I genuinely have talked to before in like August 
And they're like, well, you know, I'll just wait till New Year's. And I'm like, bro, that's half a year away. Like, you know, like, like you could just do the thing. Like, what are we doing? So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a New Year's resolution person, but I do just constantly try to just better myself throughout the year. And that's works better for me so far. But Brian Wintober, where they can find you on the social media machines. All right. I am Brian Tonic. I'm still on Twitter and, and Instagram. And uh, I, I am on TikTok, but it's time, off the top of my head, I don't remember what, the, <laughs> what it is. So. Well, you can find me everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And man, lots of stuff coming down the pipe, some cool things with the Ambassador Program, and one of my new editors I'm working with for some YouTube stuff. But wherever you are watching or listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. And remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base